0: everyone and thanks for joining us another episode of the living the grace life podcast i'm your host jim hobbs and as always alongside my good friend and senior pastor of grace life church in downtown sarasota florida joe davis joe 23 that's a a famous jersey oh yeah
1: so we're right up there our fame our fame has leveled Ourselves up with Michael Jordan. Famous Michael Jordan. That's right. That's right. Any
0: other 23s come to mind? Not ones that I like. We, uh... <laughs> 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 now, was Kobe Bryant, it wasn't, didn't he split time 23 and eight? Or yeah, do I, I, I think he, something to that too. He might
1: have, he might have.
0: Famous 23s, just so you know, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, There, there's some big... I know you don't follow now
1: but Well I do follow I just follow Oh here's some others Yeah some I toy- just follow In despising <laughs> Attitude So yes
0: Wayne has pulled up Our we, we are welcoming back With us Perhaps The most popular Personality on this yes, show Wayne he Dallaire Head studio technician Master craftsman Jump Dog Audio Productions Wayne you've pulled up Famous 23's right here Who, Who's your favorite
1: 23 I
0: see Michael Jordan's on there That's a big one
1: That's a big one. He's
0: LeBron James.
1: (laughs) I think the most famous 23 is our podcast.
0: That very well could be. Maybe not yet,
1: but but with the right promotion, we could get there. Well,
0: the famous 23 could mean the lucky seven because we are on chapter seven of your book, Joe, The Grace Life. That's segue What Philippians teaches (laughs) us. That's (laughs) That's why you're <laughs> Did a you pro. you saw that coming? What Philippians teaches us about loving one another relentlessly, chapter seven. You've titled "Be really, really bad at religion." I have a hard time believing that you really want people that we're going to get into this. <clears throat> that you want people to be bad at. I understand religion is probably the key word here, but to be bad at religion—that's mm-hmm. going And be... I
1: mean every word of it. Really, I want them to be bad at religion. I do. So you
0: can be good. That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> compared to me speaking.
0: That's all right. You can do it. Well, if you've got a question for us and are wondering if Joe wants you to be good or bad at religion, just send us an email. It's Living the Grace Life Podcast, the Grace Life Podcast at gmail.com. It is all coming up here, chapter seven, in episode 23 of the Living the Grace Life Podcast. Now, Joe, that was not the song. I thought there was a song called 23. You know Yes, this,
1: there right? was, but, but, <laughs> but who, who there wait is. a minute. Who, it's, what's well, it? Who, Miley Cyrus? I, I think Cyrus. most of
0: our, yeah, Miley Cyrus, Wiz Khalifa. Wh- oh, they're, Wiz they're, Khalifa. They're, they're both on that. Okay. But I think the reason most people may know of the song, Juicy J.
1: Juicy J is on that song? 23 by Miley Cyrus, and Whiz Juicy Kalifa, J is a collaborator? It's a trilogy. a trilogy. <laughs> Juicy, J. <laughs> Juicy J. There's no way that Juicy J's music will ever be on the Living the Grace Life podcast with Jim and Joe.
0: <laughs> it didn't make, it. It, well, his name make, make it. it. it will not make it. It will not make it. Wayne found the music. this song, didn't he? Wayne found it. And you deny and it. And
1: I have <laughs> shut it down. No Juicy J for you, That Come could back be one be year.
0: really, really bad at bumper music. <laughs> that might be it. So, <laughs> Well, let's read, Joe, here. Chapter seven. You're telling people here, and maybe we'll read here and we'll get a better understanding Philippians 3 4 to 11. When you say be really, really bad at religion, let's hear what Paul has to say here. Again, this is Philippians 3 4 to 11.
1: If you think you're a good Baptist, let me tell you something. I'm the best Baptist there have ever been. I have perfect Sunday school attendance. Sometimes I tithe 11%, not just 10 I wear a coat and tie to church. I don't have any rock and roll tapes or CDs. Uh, the only rock music I have are Christian bands that sound like rock and roll music. And not only that, I don't cuss. I never cut anyone off unless, of course, they have a sticker that I don't like. But but I am the best Baptist. I am the best Presbyterian. I'm the best Catholic you could ever imagine. And what he is saying there is I was so good at all these things, and it did absolutely nothing. Yeah, for he me. said
0: actually act, and not even just nothing. He counts it all for a loss. A he waste counts it for rubbish. Yeah. Total. Like, what was I thinking?
1: Yeah, um, and the rubbish, the actual word is dung. Huh,
0: interesting. And, yeah. and so
1: he does not sugarcoat what he thinks about his religious, his religious experience. He's, he's explaining here that my religious experience and my religious success has nothing to do with my righteousness in Christ.
0: And there, you use the word "religious," meaning your performance at it as it adheres to to biblical law. What, what do you mean then?
1: A lot of what he just described was not even biblical law; it was rabbinical law. Mm. It was things that were written in the Talmud that weren't necessarily part of the law of Moses or mm-hmm. the promises mm-hmm. of Abraham. Or it's, these were things that they were that culturally became a part of what being a good Jew looked yep, like. Right. So the problem is, Jim, people of faith who really actually know Jesus can still get caught up in religion, and they begin to have their identity be characterized and categorized by how good they are at these man-made traditions, particularly ones in the American church that get in the way. A guest that we're going to be having on the podcast in the near future, Walter Kern, wrote an article in 2002, I think, in GQ magazine. And uh, Walter Kern's a Christian, but in there, he took a week and he just decided to live in the Jesus counterculture.
0: Uh, And they had everything that was
1: a copycat of the main culture. And it was people, it was a great example of people trying to be religious and look good. And so I think what Paul is saying here is we have no confidence in the flesh.
0: He's, yeah, he's saying if anyone should have confidence in the flesh. It's him. Like the house of Benjamin, the whole. So so how do we walk this line between faith and performance? Because then the argument always is, you read in James, faith without works is dead. You've want to, I mean, Luther may have wanted to throw out James, but it's still in there. And the idea that if your life as truly transformed by Christ, you've said before, where people, it, it, you see it in people by their actions and by how they themselves are now carrying themselves. Isn't that going into the space then of, well, wait, if their actions look better, I see transformation has happened, but wait, their actions don't actually matter. In fact, everything they do doesn't actually matter because it's all about what Christ has done for us, if you have faith.
1: I think the moment... That you begin to have confidence mm. in your own activity is the moment that you've left the realm of grace and you've gone into the realm of legalism or what I call here religion. As a pastor, there are certain standards that I have to uphold because people will be offended if I don't. I get that, you know? And so I'm not saying that you just do what Paul says in Romans what shall we say? Shall we just continue in sin that grace may abound? God right. forbid. How can we that right. are dead live any longer in it? And you mentioned the book of James. All that is true, but what we see in Paul here, he's living a life, a godly life. He's planning churches. He's encouraging people. So he's got the evidence. He's got the fruit, right? But if he that says that was
0: his intent, right?
1: But he says my religion was fruitless. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if your life is not impacting people, if you're not being a draw to people, Paul says, look. When it came to zeal, I persecuted the church. In other words, my religious zealousness repelled people. I mean, how many times have you heard of people being repelled because of the way Christians act around them? I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, Paul has the the stoning of Stephen hits what he oversaw, right? Isn't that where they drop the jackets uh, next to him? And then that it pr- sort of is the prelude to the road to right. to Damascus. So, right. um, But it seems like on his journey that that's almost like it's his testimony. So his witnessing of what happened to him on the road to Damascus is more important than anything that he will ever do himself because the hand of, of Christ was there. But it's still, when he says here, you have here on page 89, his meaning Paul's misguided view of his own credibility had come from religious performance, which created a false sense of hope, a false sense of importance a false sense of accomplishment. These things about Paul had made him arrogant, divisive, unforgiving, and judgmental. He had produced criticism that was born of the evil one. Who wrote that? Uh, this wow, would that's would be good. <laughs> hold on, Joseph. I'm on page eight. I'm just—I've read the first eighty-eight pages. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's the
1: wrong that's book, really Jim, good. Start no, all over.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, but so when you say. Was born of the evil one. So you just spoke of if you're if you get overconfident in your own performance, does I, that come from I think, the evil one? I
1: think any religion that gives man confidence in his own spirituality is born of the evil one. I I just do. I, look, maybe we'll get some more emails or responses, and we like those overstating yeah. oh, it. We but don't mind. I just, as a pastor, the the more I'm into this lead pastor role the less I'm enamored with the religion side of Christianity, and I'm more enamored with the grace side, the grace life side. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't mean you can do whatever you want and get as much forgiveness as you can. That's you know That's not what yeah. I'm saying. I don't want to have any confidence. I want to have humble confidence, not religious confidence. So we've talked about humble confidence before on this podcast, where you don't cut corners, you do the right thing, and you know that as you're doing the right thing, you're going to have... Some success when it comes to the kingdom of God it doesn't mean life is going to be easy Paul says if anyone has reason to have confidence it's me mm-hmm. he says but I had no confidence right that's where I stand on it the, and the more I get into studying scripture and and ministering to people in recovery ministry sure marriage counseling which is funny right because my wife and I we have a we're, we have a, a marriage that has problems just that's like everyone the experience.
0: else experience yeah, right. and people
1: come to me and say well, how do you what do you do with this problem? And I'll say, you know, my first I'm response is, to say. Well, let me tell you what we've done wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can counsel you because I can know what not to do. That I'll tell you that you right now. That's
0: as important as knowing what yeah, to do. And, right. and I
1: think that vulnerability, yeah. what Paul describes in all those successes is a lack of vulnerability. Yeah. But what you see, what is so characteristic of the book of Philippians, is just this insane, open vulnerability that Paul expresses to this group of believers, you see how that is antithetical to religious accomplishment? Totally.
0: It goes against everything that someone that would come from the outside and say, like, I don't want to be a part of the church. That's what they mean. They feel this, like, for instance, people in recovery. I did an interview for my uh, seminary class, a recovery ministry. And so there's so much stigma about we need to create a ministry for them. For those in recovery, as if that group Mm. is the only one that has identified its brokenness, which Mm. is actually so powerful. But you can kind of see how that can work its way, because otherwise, how do we get it across? Okay, everyone, let's just have testimonials all day and speak of our sin, might as well have everyone get up there and admit, oh yeah, actually I cheated uh, on my spouse. Yeah, you know, I lie to my friends because I care about my performance. Oh yeah, I watch things online I shouldn't. Isn't that what it's really—so if we're going to have a ministry of reconciliation that Paul later talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, don't we need to confess and become really— the the sort of like you were saying the the it's the grossness of ourselves to see it because well, if we don't we won't know see, what we're being saved from.
1: I agree. So religion and religious success is a way to measure conformity. And what Paul is saying is right conformity is not where the power of living is. Right. It's transformity. That's not a real word, but it rhymes with conformity, so I just made it up right on the spot. Transformity. <laughs> right? That's but good. but transformation is what we desire, not conformity. And I don't care how good you are at conformity. Conformity does not breed transformation, not only in your own life, right. but in the lives of others. I think it suppresses it. I think so, too. Right? I, well, I th- I think so, too. And it's sad, right? You said a special ministry for for people in recovery. I got to say the more. I think every ministry should be for people in recovery because we all are.
0: We all need to be recovered. Even if if you're out there and you
1: think you don't need recovery, you're wrong. You're exactly right. Every aspect of recovery is about vulnerability, intimacy, and accountability, which is all through this. It's about what Paul, Paul had a recovery problem. He was addicted to religion. He was a twelve stepper in religion, which
0: is a pro- which people
1: are he was addicted, addicted to. to it. He people was obsessed are. with it, right? And God, God broke him of that addiction,
0: and only God did it. That's the trip, right? Yeah, because this yeah. whole idea of powerlessness—step one of the steps—you have to be, you have to admit you're powerless over what See, it Jim, is. The
1: right? message of recovery is not recovery; it's the gospel.
0: Yes. Right. It's crazy that yeah. that ends up being the way. So then here you have page 90, Paul became as he described in 2 Corinthians 5:17, a new creation in Christ, the ministry of reconciliation. Knowing Jesus allowed Paul to see his past success with his religion as garbage. Instead, Paul's focus was now on the resurrected Christ, as he said in verse 7 of Philippians 3, but whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. His focus shifted from religion to Christ. So when you say that Paul was addicted to religion, how does it work like for you? You give a sermon, you come off the stage, it's a performance. Religion becomes your job in a way. I mean, it, it really... It is, but it's not, but it is. Well, I'll tell you, when I first... Like, are you worried that I didn't get that? If it's about faith and not works, are you worried, oh, I didn't do that, right? I need to perform better, right? Humanly
1: speaking, being vulnerable every week by about Thursday afternoon, I'm nervous that I'm not going to do well on Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. every week. I've shared this with the church. This is nothing... Yep. uh, It's not a secret. And every week when I'm done, when I come off... You know, I I preach and I pray and Megan brings the band up and I come off the stage. It's gotten to the point now where it used to be like, boy, I really gave it to them. (laughs) And now I come off the stages. (laughs) Man, that's a relief. It's done. You know, and I really hope that they saw my vulnerability. I I want to make sure that whenever I preach, I am not preaching at someone Mm because that's what conformity demands that you do. Mm-hmm. I want to preach with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I want to preach with them, not at them, because when I'm when I'm writing these sermons and I'm doing my study, it is a magnifying glass on just how much I need when I'm preaching.
0: Right, and you hear that a lot. Like, you know, if 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 one day the advice given is taken in any profession, let alone here, right. that, that becomes. How do you know that you've Do you know when you come off or later in the day, do you know if you've given that vulnerable sermon that you wanted? Or how do you How How do do I know
1: know. when I'm nervous afterwards? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe something. Did I share too much? (laughs) You know what I mean? And there have been times where I got too vulnerable. My wife said, you know, you really shouldn't have shared that. And I said, well, maybe I shouldn't have, but maybe that means I should have. I don't know. So (laughs) I hope this makes sense. But I hope that's always my struggle, is that did I share too much about my own struggles and my own heart? Because I think when I do that, I'm saying to people, I'm not good at religion.
0: everybody, uh, you know, hung up in both, not just religious circles, but I think especially outside. If anything, this is a word that where people outside of religion think, oh, well, you guys in the church, you're so righteous. You know, Mm -hmm. this is where, (laughs) as if, you know, it goes down that way. But you have here on page 90, 91, and then it really continues through the end of chapter seven, theology, righteousness, and humble confidence. So we talked about the humble confidence. But this idea of righteousness, you're going to give us a few of these, I would say, attributes that righteousness allows us to have, but is righteousness something we do? Is it uh, based on... So
1: let's make sure we make it very clear. Righteousness is never something that we achieve.
0: So not performance.
1: Righteousness is never something that we can aspire to. Righteousness is not something I'm going to set out a goal. And I, by the end of 2020, my New Year's resolution is by the end of 2020, I will be righteous. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? I but think yet, some people but think But yet it, yeah. we still uh, think yeah. that way every day. I'm I was going to say, sh- I
0: kind of, yeah, I can see myself. <laughs>
1: right. But in, in the end, righteousness is not something that we achieve. It is something that is accredited to us, that is given to us, that we cannot achieve. It's the righteousness of Christ. So when God looks at us, if we say, God, look at my religion, Mm -hmm. well, Romans says, to him who works, it's not counted as grace, but even more debt. It'd be like if you worked at a job for a week, and at the end of the week, instead of getting a paycheck, you got a bill. That's what God (laughs) says your righteousness does. Your religion, fine. You want to be religious? Go ahead. Oh, end of the week, your religion? Well, here's some more sin for you. This is what you did. You owe. Yeah, Yeah, you owe more money. Hmm. And so righteousness is something that is accredited to us, not something that we can garner, gain, or accomplish.
0: Yeah, you say Jesus here on page 91 took our unrighteousness and gave us his righteousness. It's a gift. We pay nothing for it because Jesus paid everything for us. Is righteousness then grace? Righteous.
1: What's, what's the, so righteousness yeah. is a result of grace. Grace is undeserved favor. The gift. Right. Anyway, okay. uh, faith is a gift, right? Grace encompasses it all. When God gives grace to you, when God imparts grace to you, He gives you the gift of faith.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He gives you righteousness. And He gives you works that He prepares beforehand that we trip over in Ephesians 2 8, 9. And so, righteousness is a, is, is a result, it's an ingredient in the grace stew, if you will. So, grace resulting in faith. Results in righteousness that is not of our own, but that which is in Jesus Christ.
0: Which then produces works because you have the faith. You then have righteousness. You are being transformed. And these works, then you're saying, from a humble standpoint, become what it is you do versus to become more right. You cannot become more righteous yeah, stop doing good stop work.
1: Stop trying to be righteous. Right. And just receive Christ righteousness. Isn't that much See, this is the difference between most all other world religions and Christianity and the gospel. is the fact that righteousness is not attained. Mm.
0: Yes. It is
1: given. Yes. And it's a huge huge difference and if and if people could grasp hold of that fact, you're not attaining any level of righteousness with your religion, Uh righteousness is imparted to us through the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. That's why John said you know, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is the part that he's talking about. I
0: just read that. It was part I'm of I'm just my preaching elective. on it this Sunday. Did you Are know you, that? No, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> it was yeah. that? Well, wait, I thought that was in John, though, right? You, you know, Mark, you Mark talks about or the baptism he? of okay. Jesus, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah the whole idea that he... Uh, the word that jumped out of me there was witness. I am going, John the Baptist, I will be a witness and Testify. He doesn't say he's going to see this. He's a witness to it, and he will testify on behalf of what he has seen. Mm-hmm. That here comes, uh, you know, the 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 sheep. You know, here he is, the Lamb of and God.
1: I, the sermon Sunday. I've already got a title for it. It's called Jesus the Baptist. You're going to like Ooh, it. Yeah, it's going to be like kind of funny. But yeah, yeah. but the point here is that righteousness is not something that we garner
0: yeah you have here when you say righteousness on the following pages here's the word you use after righteousness in terms of what it is that we i don't see anything about earning this is what we this is what it does righteousness bathes allows enables empowers transforms helps there's nothing in there that says it it makes you uh, that, that you do any that well, you are doing anything like if I bathe,
1: you're right, I'm not yep. doing anything. You what, you what you're saying is what you're seeing in there is the effects of righteousness are not something that is started with us, we are passively receiving the benefits of right. Righteousness bathes us in humility, yep, righteousness allows us to have confidence, not basket. in ourselves,
0: right. Right. right to bask in the confidence of the righteousness given not right. you're saying of right. what we're going to be got it
1: okay and and it and enables the elevation of others see the work of righteousness is a passive one that is affecting us instead of us trying to achieve it A natural result of that is the humility that allows us to elevate others around us.
0: Yeah, it almost comes naturally, right? Empowers. What do you mean by righteousness? Empowers Mm -hmm. believers. Now, does that mean, because you have here, we can approach hurting people with a powerful message of salvation rather than with words of criticism. We no longer need to push our own agenda hoping that our listeners will conform to our thinking or measure up to hopeless religious standards. That's
1: weird. I've never heard of it. I've never seen that in
0: the American church.
1: I I almost, (laughs) yeah, right. All right, so listen. We think that power is influence. Okay. And influence means that you're able to get people to see your way and to agree with you and give them your proxy... To enact your agenda okay. We see it in the corporate boardroom We see it on Wall Street yeah. We see it in Washington, D.C. In spades uh-huh. And we see it in the church all the time So instead of What what unrighteousness does Is it goes to hurting people Yes And it tries to get them To think that you are the answer And now you have power and influence over them to
0: convince and even manipulate right. Yes, okay. yes
1: But what the work of true righteousness does is you no longer have to approach these people to pursue your own agenda, hoping, I wrote there, hoping that our listeners will conform to our thinking or measure up to hopeless religious standards. Instead, we can boldly proclaim... Undeserved freedom in Christ—a freedom that is priceless because it cost Him everything.
0: Freedom. See that—that that is something that is not necessarily what is thought of in terms of power
1: or righteousness
0: or influence. Any, yeah,
1: when, right. You, when you think of righteousness, do you think freedom? <laughs> no, it's just like a uh, righteousness.
0: Oh, it's the same with recovery. You don't think freedom is like being told, "Well, you're not going to be able to do the addiction or whatever." Like, there's such a paradox there that yeah. this. freedom Freedom comes to then—and then how do you live into that? Because that must then create the transformation. You say religion desires conformity on page 94, which we just talked about Mm -hmm. in our last segment, as in here's our set of rules and you better conform. Grace, on the other hand, desires transformation. Religious conformity happens temporarily, but transformation lasts for eternity, it's faith, embracing the gift of grace, treasuring Christ above all else. It goes against everything, but to, to do it. So, okay, great, nice. When I begin to do some of this stuff, it feels weird. Mm. It feels out of character. To embrace the grace of God, mm-hmm. to understand that my performance, not only does it not matter it actually
1: makes it worse hurts yeah
0: because i'm focused on it Mm -hmm. and i'm judging what you're thinking or watching someone else's how they're reacting so i'm performing i'm not being me i'm not being authentic and so there's this space i I call it spaciousness and it's and now that i'm not in active addiction it's a really it's one of those weird things it's like if everything's okay because of what Christ has done and the grace that I'm given, and I don't need to worry about works. Okay, so n- now I feel I feel good, I feel free, but in freedom, I almost feel sometimes a little bit like, I, "Well, what am I supposed well, to here's, do?" Right. So
1: every religion <laughs> in the world, at least every theistic religion in the world, says that man must somehow achieve an audience with God.
0: Mm, hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
1: The gospel says God is going to create an audience with man. And that is a huge difference. One has everybody trying to climb this ladder of religious success up to a level of righteousness that is good enough that the theistic person that you worship in that religion will say, okay, now you're starting to get the blessings. Right. Now you understand my... Now, but religion is not what the gospel is. The gospel says the opposite. Christ came not to be served, but to serve. And that's the difference. So all religion says you need to achieve this level. And the gospel says, no, Jesus, God is coming to us to give us what we need. Yeah,
0: And when you receive it, it is over. And I think we do need the law to see our sin so that we do understand. I mean, it doesn't have to turn into a guilt and shame show, but at the same time, if we're not saved from anything, well then, what people didn't what's see. Point, right? When I was
1: explaining it to you, what people didn't see is I was taking my hand, acting like you're going up a mountain, and it turns into a cliff
0: <laughs> as it goes.
1: <laughs> that like you, a, and then it comes like back over. Step, <laughs> yeah. stick that comes, so, and right. that's what religion is. You might be able to get started on the bottom, but once it, then it's a straight. It'll up.
0: only get yeah. you as far as it'll get you. I think. Stop. Right
1: and stop. Yeah. trying to be righteous and just live in righteousness of Christ.
0: Anytime I've taken matters and I've thought of this recently, it, it, the the phrase in my own hands. Anytime I have decided I now need to take matters in my own hands, mm-hmm. I cannot think of one time it's gone right. <laughs> I can think of many times it's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And in that the the cool part about when I hit that spaciousness piece is I then get what you have here on this page 94. Righteousness helps others transform. So I, in my spaciousness, not because I want to be righteous or because I want to be moral or I want to do good. I then want to go to seminary and I want to go be around a bunch of executive alcoholics um, like myself who are struggling. Like I'm, I am literally called, like there is a magnetic pull. I like, get you can't think, and it
1: has nothing or, to do with your righteousness, nothing your to do religion. with me.
0: Everybody's like, dude, you just you you had a great successful company. You you can do anything. Wait, like,
1: let me let me ask you a question. <laughs> so like, why are you going back to? I'm going to open it up. How <laughs> how long have you been sober?
0: Two years, just over two. Well, yeah, October seventeenth, two thousand seventeen. So, 2017. So in two Who's years,
1: gone? yep. Since you've abandoned your own ladder of success.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? And you've embraced grace. Now God has given you a call.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which I wouldn't have got had I not suffered the addiction.
1: Correct. So your own unrighteousness has led to the righteousness of Christ in your life. That will lead to the
0: transformation of others. See there's what a, a ridiculous There's a paradox, story right? <laughs>
1: as the, people people have heard a little bit of your story but I know a little bit more of it because we've had a lot of conversations. Right. There's an element of what God is doing in your life that people would be so stunned and surprised by if they really took time to, to get to know you. <laughs> and um and I, and I think that story is 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 still being written. Yeah. And it will always continue to be written, but there's going to be a moment where you're going to have to recount it to people. In a, in a very public setting and it's going to be powerful.
0: I love it yeah to me the narrative it's, I, it's just it's, like Paul yeah. it's just like Paul it, you know what? Respect. there's a lot of there's a lot of truth mm-hmm. to that because the idea and I the the narrative that gets created to my life was terrible, I got sober, my life is great. No, it don't work like that. Like, trust me, my life wasn't terrible. And it wasn't. And somebody was like, you know, if people go to five AA meetings a week, their first year, they stand an 80% chance of not drinking. If they go to less then the the percentages are lower. They're like, does that give you hope? And I'm like, hope, hope for what? They're like to, to be sober. I'm like, I didn't go to rehab, stop drinking. I went to rehab because I was going to go be a lead singer on a Royal Caribbean ship. <laughs> like I'd lost my mind. I thought I could keep drinking. <laughs> like that doesn't give me any hope at all. I like uh, the idea was... and
1: and you, there's no greater there's no greater sign of God's grace than that he kept you from becoming a lead singer on a cruise ship. I mean, people went off would, would go on vacation others. And they'd have to listen to that? <laughs> to oh, torment, gosh, to just... torment the people. Oh, my Lord. And
0: the loudness and the horrificness. I know, right? The and screeching. that's the story. I, just, uh... I know. How cool is it? You tell your story. It's, it's so messed story. up. It's so broken. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where it happens. Well, we want to hear from you. Please tell us your story or just ask us a question or just to reach out to us if you know a famous number 23 or No Juicy J or whatever <laughs> it is. Juicy J. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, had you heard of Juicy J before? You know, I hadn't. I, do, I have I, to I say there
1: there are people that listen to our podcast that I want them to think I'm cool, and so I would you say yes. But I had not. you had not. Either. I'm sure I have somehow.
0: That might not make you cool. You need to be careful. That's a good point. <laughs> you don't know what it could be getting. looked on with scorn. It could, or he's maybe I don't know. But anyway, email us at <laughs> Living the Grace Life Podcast, Living the Grace Life Podcast at Gmail. Next episode, we wrap up chapter 7, and we are working our way not just through the questions, but after that, chapter 8, coming up, Supernatural Perseverance. Mm. I like that. That sounds good. But for now, that's it from here. We want to thank you for joining us on the Living the Grace Life podcast. And remember, whatever you do each and every day, keep looking to Christ so he can keep you living the grace life.